And play a little bit longer this week. Bridging the gap. You are now rocking with the best. I low key, I feel like a DJ sometimes when we get into that action. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I think everybody can. Tell. Yo, last week when I heard the playback, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely at the club getting ready to, you know, throw my shout outs to everybody that walked in the building, spending <laughs> the money on them bottles. You know, uh, Bridging the Gap podcast, season two, episode two. We're back, full effect. Um, after finally getting the first episode off, which was, whoo, let me see if I got my round of applause. Hold on, let me check. You don't even remember. Oh, there we go. We found it. It's been a long time, you know. Well, you know, episode one was, was solid. It's always the first one. The first game of the season, the first practice of the year, the first everything is always like, man, I just got to make it there. <laughs> right. I just got to make it there, then we'll figure everything else out. You know, how you feel about the last episode? Um, it's good. I'm, I was a little under the weather. Well, I'm still under the weather. So yeah. I hope to get healthy so I won't be coughing on the, the episode so much. Hey, man, listen. Somebody, one of your boys said you look like Ray Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked to him about that. I addressed that. I addressed that. That's all love. You know, when he said it, I started thinking like, you know what? It might be a little bit of a, 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 a be more body more Ray in that. Come on, man. I you know, be preacher, man. I ain't no preacher. <laughs> you got the Georgia ties, though. So, <laughs> you know, we don't know, man. But um, for our first time listeners, Bridging the Gap podcast, um, we're live here from Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Um, we are two basketball guys. Um, basketball was our common denominator that brought us together and made us family. This was my high school coach, um, you know, became family, mentor and everything else. And now we're international business partners, um, building a basketball culture here in the UAE. Uh, our brand company is called Hoop Mountain Dubai, Hoop Mountain DXB on all social media platforms. Um, and shout out to our hoop stars and their parents. Yeah, for sure. You know, those relationships that we've been able to build over this last two years. Very supportive. Ooh, man. And it, cause it's just two of us. Right. <laughs> right. How many times have you told them that it's just the two of us? And they've been like, really? What? Yeah. Uh, you know, people are amazed at how many hats, different hats we wear, man. And, you know, even the people, our colleagues, the people we work with have, you know, partnerships with whatever. It's just amazing. It's just two of us. Yeah. You no, know, we do have two support staff coaches, but behind the scenes, it's just us two. Yeah. Talk about that's a the entrepreneurial space. Um, that's a space we haven't talked much about yet. About what has really been like as entrepreneurs internationally in an environment where they conduct business differently from the government on down to where you can't do things the way we <laughs> normally do in America, right? To where you just hustle it up. Uh, th that's been a space that's been challenging, but rewarding in the same sense. Right. To where there's an upside that's, oof, 
either way, you, you put us anywhere, we'll make it happen. We just if you hustle, you hustle anywhere. That's the, that's a fact. That's where it is. That's a fact. So, um, you know, again, we're here in Dubai by way of the U.S. You know, Virginia, Maryland, Georgia, Philly. You know, he got them all in his bag. There you, you go, know, Niagara Falls. There he is. <laughs> where, there he is. Canada. I see the cloud of BS coming over. <laughs> it's hovering above his head right there. That's not facts, man. On, man. Listen, matter of fact, we might need to make a phone call to Groupon. You know, I used to call Coach while I was in college all the time, just trying to, you know, get some get some advice from my old head, you know, see what was going on. And I called and I just, I wouldn't get a reply for like a week. I, randomly, he'll send a message back and he'll be like, yo, my bad. I, I went out to Niagara Falls for the weekend. I went to the mountains, clear my head. This and that. I was like, where you going? You tell me you broke all the time. He said, Groupon, got all the deals. Mind you, I'm talking trash, but Groupon's fire. <laughs> Groupon's fire with the moves, man. I'm not, I'm not telling the truth. I'll return your calls for a week. How's that sound? Listen, I... You you want to call somebody? We can call somebody right now. I bet you they'll say the same thing. I haven't talked to anybody that Coach King knows, you know. But let's call somebody right now. You you go down to Rolodex. We got unlimited minutes to the U.S. too. We can call somebody right now. <laughs> you take your time. <laughs> no, nah, I didn't get time. Everybody's busy right now. It's lunchtime. <laughs> People got jobs. Yeah, but um, if you're in the if you're in Dubai. Um, if you ever traveling through Dubai, anything, and you want to get some some work in, you just want to hoop, you want to be around, you want to talk, you want to chill, um, you know, you can contact us. All of our information will be on the screen somewhere here, and and everything else. Um, well, you know, same old, same old. Let's we got a new ritual now. Before we check in mentally, physically, and spiritually, we got to get the vibes right. You know, so I always, and this is what I do at home. I got my books at home. I got my candles. You know, Coach you get, Coach has the same thing too, but he always has like rain sounds or something in the background playing. Me, I just, you know, play some smooth jazz and stuff too, but you do your thing, right? And, you know, I like to light a candle, so. You talk too much, man. You got to I'm down. How long does it take? It ain't, it ain't like your candle last week. I ain't gonna, you know, I ain't gonna show no, no hate to it, but it was a little tough to light that one. It was a little weird. I don't know who made that, but you know, we got three wicks. It's gonna be strong aroma in here, you know. I ain't no shameless plugs, but that's, you know, path body works. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. But look, tell me, coach, how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. What? Good spiritually. I'm good to go. I'm recharged. Physically, I'm I'm like 75%, 80%. Weather keeps changing. The gyms we practice in are super cold at yeah. night. So that's, you know, got me lingering a little bit with my cold, but I'm, but I'm all right. I'm good. You said physically, you all 75%? Yeah. Why are you only at 75 now? What do you mean? No, I'm just asking, you know, 75%. What does that mean? I'm, I'm up 
I'm moving around. I'm mobile. Yeah, I'm happy that you're good mentally. Because after the Saturday we had when we destroyed your team, for those that don't know, Coach and I, um, we uh, as much as we like to teach, we still like to play. We like to hoop competitive. So we have a bump and run every Saturday evening where we invite the parents, the dads to come play and a few of our select young hoop stars. And we do some training and then we play with them. And last uh, this past Saturday, Coach went 0 for 5. It would have been 0 for 6, but apparently he got his feet were hurting, so he had to sit it out the last game and watch his team get smacked up a little bit. Man, it's funny how you you really bring this stuff up when you win, but previously when you lose, you don't say nothing. I don't remember losing. Oh, come on, man. I rocked you like a couple weeks ago before I got sick. Hey, man, it's not on tape. Nobody heard it. Nobody saw it, you know. Well, it's okay. It's all right. But it's good to hear you're recovering well from that. 75% physically and you're good mentally. Man, I like that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I feel pretty good for a 48-year-old. <laughs> I gets double teamed every time. That's my You get double teamed every time? Cut yeah, it out, double man. Team, man. You know. Cut it out, man. That's not bad, though. Right. 48. Pretty good. Yeah, nah, you move well for old, you know, old timer. 48, overweight, <laughs> a lot of miles on my feet. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of miles on the feet. I get that though. That's for sure. But but um, what have you been doing to relax though? That's one. Some things I know. Um, we're bridging the gap, right? So we we want to be able to share some things with people who don't have an OG around to sit and talk with them. Because I know my time when I was doing some mentoring and things, you, people really don't know. Like the youth out there trying to figure out. Like you become an adult at an age, but nobody teaches you how to do that. Nobody teaches you how to deal with right. um, the the trials and tribulations, the bumps in the road. Nobody teaches you how to bounce back from those things. So let's share some of those things that you do when you need some time to mellow down and recharge. You know, with me, it's simple. It's, you, you mentioned the candles already, the music, yeah, nature sounds. Smooth jazz, maybe some old school hip hop. When I say old school hip hop, I mean backpack hip hop. You know, you gotta give some people some examples because you know we got hip hop heads too that watch this. Right. Well, you know, when I say backpack hip hop, I'm talking about the conscious hip hop. You know, not the drug. Common sense. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, you know, most deaf, Talib Kweli, you know, stuff like that. KRS One. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. Just mellow stuff, whatever. You know, and but just quiet time, man. Lord Jamar. Quiet time, man. Just. Sitting out on the balcony. The weather's getting better right now, so I can enjoy that. Mm. Just, you know, trying to become one with nature. You know, you made the jokes about me going to the beach, to the mountains. Hey, this stuff's relaxing, man. Yeah. Jeski, that, that's his thing. This Definitely guy, this guy's a thrill guy right here. Jet skis, anything on the beach, you know, you know, find your way around there. For sure. Um, I'm 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 feeling good this this week. <laughs> you know, you know, business is always challenging. Whether it's the the podcast stuff and trying to get that going and the unexpected turns of events that happen here and there. Every day. Yeah, you really get tested. You know, you say you want something. uh, Sometimes your picture is so clear of how things are going to go and how like the end result will be that you forget that before you get that clear picture. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of mud and dirt (laughs) and a lot of stuff you got to run through before you get there. So it's always a, a daily reminder of that somewhere, but we're here, you know. Thank God we're here. Uh, I second that. I like to read. I, I like to read. I need to do a, a music um, cleanse, like a spring cleaning, because mm. I have a lot of music 
added and saved on my title. But a lot of it I don't even like anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes I like to go back and listen to stuff. And recently, like, I found myself just listening to the same old stuff beforehand. Like, I'm not even still playing anything that's come out recently. I'm just listening to the same old stuff. Even movie soundtrack stuff. I love Jones soundtrack or, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just those type of moments. Um, You know, I think everything is about to take another pendulum switch and get back to being more soulful. Um, But until then, I just listen to my old stuff. Um, I like drives and listening to music while driving. Especially around I mean, here, you would have, you would like to drive having a nice vehicle and all, you know. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just saying. Yo. <laughs> we drive that Hyundai uh, uh, Sunny. Is it? No, that's a Nissan. It's a Hyundai um, Accent. Come on, man! Don't don't <laughs> don't put us out there like that. Come on, man. Hey, man. We're in a different country. We we just gotta get what we can get, baby. <laughs> Roll in and out of that thing. But hey, it's it's good on the gas. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's at one. Point, that 1.6 be burning up something. <laughs> hey, it's well, got a little more giddy up than that, that Lancer we had. Well, Jose, say, what's the difference between the 4.0 and the 4.0? About 30 to 40 <laughs> grand. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different there. The oil change ain't the same. <laughs> sure. No, man, but, but for everybody out there that always struggles with it, just with, with those high stress moments or whatever, always take some time to find, find the moments or you know, the little 30 minute slots out your day to just do what you like, whatever it is, you know, chill or just sit quiet and don't do nothing. Don't listen to nothing. Just sit. Just do something for you. That's it. That's 15 it. minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Something for you. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and then that time alone is important. You know, um, sometimes we we talk too much to people. Because we're concerned. Sometimes we get anxiety about our own ideas and we telling people about stuff, worrying about stuff, and they just do worse and add on more anxiety to it or more fuel to your fire and then make you feel like, man, I can't do this. Sometimes you got to keep your ideas to yourself, your thoughts to yourself and let them matriculate and keep them until it's time to let them pop out. Because if not, people start to put their fears on you. You know, like they start seeing the limitations within themselves or how they can do something. And then that makes you go even crazier, you know, and then you worry about a bunch of other stuff. Who are you talking about in particular? Man, nobody in particular, to be honest. Um, I I just see it, honestly, right, to where, uh, and we've seen it too, within business, within what we said our stuff was going to be able to do. It every day. Yeah, every day, like, and that's the juxtaposition, right? Coach and I, 20-year age difference. And even the way we approach business has to be a, a little bit different. And it has to so that the ingredients can mix, right? It's supposed to be. Right. It's supposed to be. Like, you don't take, if you want to make a cake, you don't put all salt and all sugar in there and expect for a strawberry shortcake to pop out. Right. It got to be a, done for a bunch of different things working together. And so for, for Coach, Coach's approach is day by day. Brick by brick, the everyday operation was going to get us from the first of this of the month to the end of the month, right? Because that's what's going to ensure that we can be here in the long run. And then for me, I'm like, all right, I know coach has everything settled right here. So what can I do? I know he wants to retire. I know he wants to do things. Things are changing. So what can I make sure I put in play and start planting seeds for now so that later in three years, when it grows, 
we're getting fruit off of those things. And now I can tell coach that and coach is like, I see exactly where you're going. And he, you know, got trust in it. But sometimes I tell somebody, you know, we can do this, this and this. And they're looking like, hold on, wait, <laughs> you know, scared because they don't see how that can actually happen. And they're like, man, no, this podcast, for example, right? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? I don't know to go. But, um, you know, make sure you have that time alone and just write down those crazy dreams and do your thing. Um, I got yeah. some. I, I got, if they're your dreams, they're not crazy. Right. That's true. They're yours. Um, I got a question for you, though. Reflexology. This is something that you talked about a million times. I hear you talking about it all the time. And I never really got it. Like, is that when they put like the um, the thin needles in That's your back? Acupuncture. Man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I've had that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't like that so much. Man. What? What? You, what is? What is this? Reflexology, man. It's, it's just like basically uh, a pressure point massage on your feet, man. Because your feet, everything in your body is connected to something going to your feet. So, like. They can pretty much like alleviate a lot of pain in other parts of your body by massaging your feet, man. Yeah. And your feet are important, man, because we're on our feet all day long. Yes. Yeah. Especially us. Yeah. You know I mean, and so I got a lot of miles on my feet. I got bad feet. I'm overweight. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that much overweight. I need man. help. You know what I'm saying? You ain't Oliver Miller, man. You all right. <laughs> you all right, man. <laughs> so my my question, so I will say, as I got into college, I learned the benefits of like taking care of your feet. Especially as athletes, you know, now it's cool, but go get that manicure, that pedicure. Let them take care of your feet because you own them all day. Take care of it. So I definitely frequent the salon. Shout out to Anna Pay. <laughs> Anna Pay gets it, gets it done. She does her job. But there's one time recently, you didn't even know this. There's one time when I went, um, my lady gifted me. A, a spa thinker, she said, King stressing you out, business stressing you out. You need to go. She did, huh? You need to go, you know, get away, right? Wow. And so I was like, yo, cool. So I was like, on top of my manicure, pedicure, my foot massage, let me add reflexology because I hear King talk about it all the time, right? And so Anna Pay does my manicure, pedicure. She knows how it gets it down. She kills it. She gets me right. You know what I'm saying? I need to go see her soon, right? So whenever I get something extra, I only let her pick the person because, you know, you know, we just creatures of habits. You can't always rely on everybody. But once somebody knows, it's all good. So she's like, no, no worries. So little Penny came along. Right. Uh, I forgot. I can't pronounce her first name. So she told me to call her Penny. So little Penny comes. She hits me with the reflexology. I'm thinking reflexology. Just, you know, just a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Besides. Right. Yo, she beat me up. <laughs> Yo, she beat me up. She said, I'm only going soft. I'm squirming. Yeah. I'm jumping. I'm pulling my foot back. Yeah. The whole time, I'm like, whatever King do in life, I want no parts of yeah, that. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what you had to do in your life to get to that point where you choose reflexology. Eight hours later, you were floating on air. Dog, my feet was sore for another week. Oh, man. <laughs> little Penny didn't get right then. No, nah, Little Penny got in. She said she gave me the light, uh, light, the lightness. But she said, she said, I'm not even giving you full throttle. I said, oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> I said, I'm sitting here thinking, like, King is a wild dude, and man. I ain't never had Little Penny then. <laughs> you, you, I'm, look, she's there. I go, I'll send you a Little Penny and let her rock you out. But, man, 
She had me run. I was, I was like, yo, you sure? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. I was you like, the man, oils and everything on your feet? They they did all that. They did I'm I'm more of the, you know what I'm saying? I need the soothing, you know, put my high stones on there, whatever. She was, she was grinding. Mm. She was grinding. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, King can have this one. Mm. <laughs> I want no parts of that anymore. Well, you are part of the younger generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't got there yet. A softer. <laughs> I'd be feeling like I can float on air after I get out of here. Yeah, look, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I know you from them, them clay roads back then. You probably, you know. <laughs> no, sir. You got, you know, there's a big misconception about me. You know? <laughs> I ain't yet, them cats walking around barefoot. Mm -mm, no, but say, mm -mm, nope, sir. Co coach from Georgia, you know, he ain't that country boy stuff. I don't know. Mm. Is that <laughs> won't you? Everybody knows me. <laughs> JK didn't get down like that. Nah, man. That, that's our little check-in. But let's get to uh, our M the NBA news. You know, it's early in the season. <laughs> so this it's going to be full of predictions, um, you know, surprises about how some people are starting off slow, um, surprises about how fast some people are coming out the gate, um, stories that need to be watched throughout the year. But... We got a couple of things that we've been noticing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, one of the things is for me is is watching the young players. And so, you know, you got that gen Generation Z situation and then like the, the millennial stuff we talk about in just pop culture. But if we look at like basketball in the NBA right now and we talk about the young guys. We put like guys like Ben Simmons, uh, Anthony Davis um, and like that age group of people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? A lot of the old heads are always talked about how, you know, that gener generation is soft that's coming in. The generation is this. They don't compete. We don't see enough, enough <coughs> spice, right. enough pizzazz. They're not really fighting, going at it. And, you know, I can't argue that, right? Maybe it's LeBron's fault or maybe it's not. I don't know. But now this new generation, right? This second coming, uh, this second wave of youth. When I say second coming wave of youth, I'm talking Trey Young, talking Lamelo, talking John Morant, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, um, all those guys. It's a little bit different moxie with them than that first group that we had that came in, kind of giving you a different sense of a new era of the NBA that's coming through. You know, when you say they have a different type of moxie from what which group? I'm talking about the younger one. So I'm talking about that LaMelo, uh, John Morant. The new arrivals. Trey, the, the new, new arrivals. The, arrivals, the yeah. sophomore, the second, third year guys mm -hmm. that are coming with a, a little different, a little different chest. Yeah. Um, the, new, the new arrivals, they're more, how can I say it, groomed for stardom. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Not to say the other guys weren't playing as stars, but they weren't embracing the role of being top dog on the team and a leader on the team and dealing with all the responsibilities that come with it. And, you know, the, you know, you mentioned Trey Young, John, those guys, they kind of embrace that stuff. You know what I'm saying? They kind of lead by example. And so they have a different type of fight about them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, the other guys were kind of like, you know, we're talented, but I just came to hoop. 
Mm-hmm. The other guys came to make a statement. Mm, that's that's a big difference. Yeah. And it, but it's interesting, right? Because we're talking about the, the era of social media, right? and everybody was worried about, um, you know, how uh, how are we going to develop stars and how are we going to develop those monsters in the in the age <laughs> where now basketball is a business. So from the very grassroots of basketball, they're thinking about everything as a business. You know, you see Mikey Williams and congrats to him. He just signed a deal with Puma, mm-hmm. right? He's making money. But that new group, what's the difference between them, you know, and the group that came before them? And what make what's making them more inclined and more locked in and more, you know, aspirational? Well, you know, great players pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. They pay attention to what's happened in the past. And these guys coming in now kind of like, see that there was a void left between CP3, mm-hmm. D-Wade, Melo, LeBron, and then Tatum and those guys. There's a little void there. Yeah. And so these sure. guys know that, like, they hear the old guys talk. They see the young guys play. And they're like, I can fill that gap. Mm-hmm. You know, I want that. So I want that opportunity. I want that responsibility. I can handle it. And so, so these guys come in with a different mindset. Not only that I'm a business, but I'm a big brand. Right. I'm the leading brand. Right. You know, I, you haven't seen any of the new guys um, shy away from anything. Yes. You know, true. we didn't even know Jason Tatum could talk for three years. Think <laughs> right. about that. He's just been hooping. Yeah. Jalen Brown, same way. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, same yeah. way. I mean, yeah, you, you didn't know. You know, if if Donovan Mitchell... How can I say it? Didn't have, I don't know. He had a, he has, you know, great genes. Yeah. Coming from a great family. We didn't know this. No, not I, at all. I didn't. You know, I didn't even know he played at Louisville. Mm. Think about it. You know, he had to be one of the top athletes in the country to go to Louisville. He gets to the league. He just plays. He's, right. Which is good, but he's in a different role. Yeah, make him a water for that too. <laughs> so with that being said, making those statements that those young players are, a lot of them now are in that space. Well, year three, year four is when they start to make a statement about where they're going to go. Right. About what, who's going to be a superstar, who's going to be the cornerstone of a franchise, who's going to be that max deal guy. And I remember always being a big fan of Trey Young. And when they made that trade between Dallas and Atlanta on draft day, and Dallas got Luka, um, and I didn't think, I thought that was an equal trade. I wasn't like most people that were like, man, they, Atlanta might regret not taking Luka. Um, <clears throat> however, just because I understood the game and also understood what Steph Curry did to open up the game. And now you got a guy who has Steph Curry range and accuracy, but with a handle and a, a better a feel for the game off pick and roll. I mean, that's dangerous. You can put anything on the floor with him now, right? So about four years in now, King, and Let's let's tell the truth about Luca. You know, I, I've been for the last two years really. People have been talking about Luca being in the MVP conversations, future MVP of the league, future, um, you know, best player in the league, all those type of things. I, for one, think he's a great player, but I don't think he's earned that type of accolade or that type of expectation yet. I actually think that. Um, Trey Young 
present day has surpassed him in terms of his significance and his ceiling and how far he can take a franchise. Well, take nothing away from Luca. Luca has been nothing short of uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a it was a good trade. You know why? Trey Young fits Atlanta. Luca fits Dallas. Perfect trade. Dallas is used to having international players, and uh, let's just face it. Trey Young probably would have struggled a little bit playing for Rick Carlisle. Yeah. Um, just because it's a different style of play. And um, Luke has been great, but based on what's around him, we may have seen him max out. Mm. And that's not to say if he continues this pace for the next six, seven years, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I'm just saying in terms of getting them over the hump because the West is so strong. Um, Trey Young what he did last year in the playoffs and the young talent around him. I mean, we could eventually see them in the Eastern Conference Finals maybe this year. Right. You know, definitely, you know, in a year or two. Yeah. See, now, Luca. the one thing I think about Luca, and, you know, you let me know if you're saying the same thing. I think he does too much. He has too much responsibility with the ball. Way too much. Way too much. And I think that right there is going to max him out, too. To where it's going to limit his capabilities and his effectiveness, because he he's so smart and so <laughs> cerebral, right? And he plays at his own pace. He doesn't have to initiate the offense every time from the top of the key or handling the rock. You got to put him in some different actions. That's what I'm seeing, you know, with my young MB basketball mind. The only diff- the only problem is if Jalen Brunson is not on the floor, mm-hmm. there's nobody else to initiate the offense. Right. That's the problem. So. They have to do a better job of surrounding him with some different personnel to allow him to get off the ball a little bit more. Otherwise, he's going to burn out because he's having to do too much. Because he built like a a dad. (laughs) That's one of the biggest reasons. Like some things really are just genetics. Some things you just look at people and be like, man, his arms just is just longer. Right. It's like you look at Luca, Luca, you talk about overweight, like Luca may not be overweight, but you don't see no cuts in his arms. There's no definition or anything. So you talk about somebody's body that's going to be wearing and tearing and just keep carrying a a load that's going to require him to be in tip top athletic shape. And it's not his game. That's not his body. You know, but we'll see how that goes. But I think we got to watch out because Luca, I don't think I think Dallas is, is Middle of the pack, especially in the West. Middle of the pack. And I, I think that MVP talk <coughs> is a little bit overreaching. Because if you're an MVP of a team that's like middle of the pack or, you know, you got to bring them over the edge, you got to be like spectacular athletically, right? Like that Russ, um, KD, with the skill, of course, right? Or you got to be Joker who's seven foot. Right. And manages the game from the post or the block. But he's just special. He's one of a kind. Like we've never seen anything like him when it comes to passing like a big. Right. But for him to win MVP, for him to win MVP, he got to have something around him like Nash did. You got to have some Amaris, some Samarians, you know, some Joe Johnson's like some energy like that right now. You know, they just okay. Well, yeah, the t- Dallas as a team is just okay, but he, Luke yeah, is great. Luke is great. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the bottom line. I mean, we're going to see um, what Jay Kidd can get done with them. Mm. And I'm, I'm honestly, I it wouldn't surprise me if if he barges into the GM's office and he just say, hey, man, we got to get some talent in here. Right. So speaking of Jay, so Jay Kidd, Willie Green, 
Um, Udoka in Boston, Chauncey Billups in in Portland. Shout out to those guys. You know, new West head Unsell coach Junior. West West Unsell Junior is doing a, a great job. Um, but Chauncey, Chauncey's struggling, right? They're struggling a little bit in in Portland, and he's made a few comments that um about. I you've heard him. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I don't want to misquote, but I'll let you leave though. Well, he said a couple times it's it's in our effort. Or lack of effort has, has been embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Now you were a pro coach and a pro player, and I saw some people saying how that could come off wrong, or however it would be. But you've been a guy who played as a pro and then ended up coaching. How can that be perceived as wrong? And maybe what what is the thing? Because it's a learning lesson for Billups now being in that seat. Like, how does that work? Well, it's going to be tough because Billups is is from that that era where it was real physical and guys had to work their tails off to get in certain spots to get their money, so to speak. And um, he's probably just going to be real. And whatever rolls off his tongue rolls off his tongue. But the players are going to respect him because he's going to treat them, you know, as men. And so they're not going to, I don't think they're going to take that personally and, and say, oh man, you know, what is, what is coach talking about, whatever. But I think they're going to take it and and be okay with it. I've yeah. seen I've seen some reports already <laughs> of opposite to where Dame had to have a conversation with him. Not I don't think nothing like yo you got to stop. But like, well, you it, calling it embarrassing out in the public after only the second. Yeah, how's that come? But Dame may not be saying that in terms of himself and McCullough, some of the else. younger guys, because yeah. we all know that the younger guys, um, you know, the social media world has made everybody a little softer in terms of, well, not soft, maybe sensitive. And, you know, tape don't lie. You guys watching film the next day, you know whether or not you played hard or not. Coaches on the side, he can see that. Your teammates can see that. You know that. Sometimes you just got to eat that. Right. You know? Right. Well, that's something, that's something to watch because uh, if, if anybody can get away with it, he can. If he were a guy that never played and doesn't have any type of big-time player credentials, meaning he really got busy, then yeah. he probably shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. But being a former player that that got down and everybody knows what type of player he was, I think he's okay. What what is that like though, going from player to coach? Um especially as a in the in the pros. You know, we got like I just can't I'm, that sounds like a whole different just <coughs> it's a hierarchy that's different. Yeah. Like college is still like kids. You know what I'm saying? The kids and an adult. It's like you got to listen to the adult, right? But when you... That's, up, even that's changing. Even Yeah, right, for sure. But when you talk about two grown men, 12 grown men following one, like how does that... That's, that language has to change. Well, you know, by him saying he was embarrassed, that's not anything um, egregious against anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, him cursing somebody out or or putting the blame on one or two people, that's different. He just said we played. Yeah, our lack of effort was embarrassing. Right. That's if 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 that pisses you off, go out there and play better. True. Prove him wrong. Simple. Right. Or or you need you need to ask for a trade because you that's probably not going to work for you in Portland. The real problem is, and it's not Chauncey. It's not it's not necessarily the roster. It is the way the team was constructed. Mm, and this, I mean, it's been that way. I mean, no matter, five. <laughs> no matter who's going to coach the team, if Damian Lillard 
and McCullough don't have 30, they don't have a chance of winning. Right. And that's just bottom line. They're going to struggle. Yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge left them hanging, man, for no reason. Should have stayed right where he was. Yeah. It was the best shot. But now we're going to move, because we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more about coaching and stuff later, but John Morant. Now you know that's that's my guy. That's your guy. That's my guy. I've been I've been big on Ja. You know, since Kobe retired, it was like, man, where do I go now with my favorite players? Right? Cause you are you a hooper. You like to see some guys and you be like, all right, I like his effort. I want to see him play and I want to see him win. And Ja is one of those guys for me immediately. Even at Murray State, I just liked how he approached the game. Right. And right now, year three. We're seeing another improvement. Right. And it's early. It's early, but we're seeing him improve his mid-range jumper and his three-point jump shot. And that mid-range is coming off of snaking and screen and everything else. And I'm looking at it, and I, I know you said no, but I'm getting AI 2.0 vibes. And more mainly because of the competitiveness, competitiveness, small market. Again, and you talk about carrying a franchise and a group of guys on your back that, you know, they haven't proved themselves any way or the other. They got some Jared Jackson. They don't, they're better offensively than what AI had for sure. But just a small guy like that, having an impact like that and improving and just some of his athleticism. I'm like, you know, AI is AI, but you talking about the swagger the way he's approaching it, you know, the way he attacked the basket. This AI with a little bit more um, as far as, you know, pick and roll stuff and everything else. But as a competitor and, you know, giving everybody and improving every year. And I wouldn't be mad of living through another AI era. You know. No, the only reason he doesn't remind me of AI is because AI was a two. Mm-hmm. Jaws, even though Ja can score, he's a true point guard. Yeah. He gets everybody involved. He runs the show, you know, and he can score. AI was a, a straight up undersized two guard. Yeah. Just an assassin, just a straight up killer. And so that's why I don't see the similarities there. But in terms of their grit and their heart, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course yeah. it's there. Of course it's there. You know, it's just two different types of animals, though. That's all. Animals. But, but speaking of that, though, like, where do you see Ja going? Because I think right now is the time where we got to start speaking the same way about him as we have everybody's been doing about Luca, <laughs> right? Because Luca is 6'8", right? right? Taking a team. I don't even, I don't know if Luca does the same thing everywhere. Like Ja, if you put Ja anywhere, I think that's not going to matter. He's going just because of athleticism, explosiveness, and everything else. Be a little bit different. And he just changes the pace of everything. But I see Ja, if he continues growing at this rate with his game, sky's the limit. Well, for sure. For sure. I mean, I mean, that's both of them. I mean, because, you know, Luca's surrounded by guys that are quote unquote supposed to be spacers. Yeah. But they're really not that mm-hmm. good at shooting. Jaron Jackson, those guys can shoot a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So if you but if you were to put Ja with um, say another, say put him with a two guard that's an attacker, a slasher, not really a shooter. He could probably still survive because he can run the point. Right. I, I mean, Jaws a guy that will affect the game without having to score the ball because he's a true point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's where he could go is, I mean, 
anywhere. But here's the, here's the issue, though. You got to think about where he came from. Yes. He was looked over. We, mm-hmm. don't, we don't know why. We, I'm still trying to find that. And out. we're going to talk about that next because the, the argument was Zion or him. We yeah. still don't know. And so, <laughs> so I think a lot of Ja's accomplishments have been lost because people hate to admit they made a mistake. A big mistake. And so people you know, in the media don't want to say, They'll want to give him his love because that's going to prove them wrong even more. Mm-hmm. Because everybody says Zion should be number one, right? You know, and so, um, and and probably rightfully so because he's bigger. But depending on what you needed, yeah. you know, if you needed a point guard, um, somebody to score the ball from the perimeter, or whatever, and you take Zion, then you you was tripping, right? You're tripping because Ja is that guy. But you know, we feed into the media a lot. The the media, man, it's a circus. It goes crazy. Cause machine. Currently, right now, you know, I don't, I can't even tell you when the last time I saw a Zion Williamson in the box score game. Like that, I feel like that that has come few and far between. Like Zion hasn't been available. He wasn't really always available before, but now he's overweight. You know, we've seen in pictures where old school reference, he's looking like Oliver Miller. You know, Escalade, Robert tractor trailer vibes, yep. out of shape. I don't know. I didn't play pro. I didn't, um, you know, I had opportunities. I didn't. I mean, I guess you can speak more into how somebody could let themselves get to that point yeah. as far as weight-wise I mean, after everybody is saying it. I mean, but this, it's almost like the, the Ben Simmons situation. You, you get to a certain point in, in your career where you're at a, you're in a situation where you're in the NBA lottery pick something that less than 1% of the world will ever get a shot at and you're making a gazillion dollars not like back in the day not the you know 300,000 400,000 or even even when it got hired at 1.2 we're talking about 6 7 million a year to start your career you haven't dropped one bucket yet and Who's going to tell you, who's going to be around you to tell you the truth? Hmm. Yo, man, you man, you, you just had three Big Macs, homie. He in New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. <laughs> yo, put that gumbo down. You know what I'm saying? He's killing all that food down there. And so if, if no one's around you to tell you no, someone that you care about, someone that you trust, and you've made a million dollars, and you're 18? You're unstoppable, man. You're that, unstoppable. That stuff is just looking crazier <laughs> and crazy. And I, and I don't want it to get into a Zion conversation because I want this, the whole point of me bringing that up is the fact that Jar and them were in the same thing. Jar and him were in the same AAU team, right? And Jar was always overlooked. But now we're talking about the greatest stage, the biggest stage. Jar has been there. Playoff runs, 40 pieces in the playoff runs. Like, he's taking his team to another level, and there's another level for him to get to. Like you said, if he continues to ascend on this level, you know, I'll let you say what we talked about. Like, he could be the best. Oh, for at sure. Best point guard, the top five ever. For sure. Inf- information, like. That's for sure. Different vibes. So, we need to start pushing the narrative that way. I know it's not as sexy because, 
you know, Zion dunks everything and all that good I stuff. I mean, but, but, but you can't say that because I mean, job, that's what the media job puts it on people's head. For for me, I would, I, from the beginning, I'm always like, I, this is another thing. I don't know. Maybe we should have, um, I'll pencil this in pro scouting reports, pro scouts, period. Because you were a scout for the WNBA too. I feel like they get everything wrong so often. And I don't want to make, I don't want to talk about it here right now because I know I talk about it with my friends. We can go on for a long time with it. But the, the pro scouts, I feel like I got a better eye for talent than some of these people out here that is making. And I don't know if it's somebody's rubbing something and like, yo, my guys in the draft, you know, I'll give you this here if you give me this here and, and it'll go somewhere. But I feel like people are missing out on some stuff. Yeah, but it's not always about, um, Getting the right guy. Sometimes it's about taking care of somebody. Hmm. You might get this guy from this agency because you know two years down the road you got that guy. Hmm. So you just you know you know it's it's always some yeah you know some some issues there you know yeah. some questionable stuff, but you you just don't you don't know if you think about it though as a whole most of the time. Most of the time they're pretty accurate, but the players themselves get there and just fumble it away. Mm. You know? I, I guess. You know, I, or, I, I, we'll, we'll put it on the players. No, organization no, 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 too. No, 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 no. We're going to say sometimes it's scouts, scouting report. Sometimes it's the player. Sometimes it's the organization. Yeah. Because you could be, for example, Tim Duncan is one of the greatest. He's probably the best power forward ever. If Tim Duncan had gone to Minnesota, Sacramento, yeah. He, he may be lost in translation somewhere. You yeah, know? that's Never for know, sure. You know, yeah. It's just he'd have dreads early <laughs> instead of waiting to after him. Right. <laughs> he had right. him early for sure. sure. Maybe old little candy out yeah. there. Um, but with that said, Josh, just another sign of the new age, new era of basketball that's here um, <laughs> right now. This is something that you probably may feel like you in a flashback: the Knicks, the Heat. The Bulls, the Hornets, yeah. <laughs> and you can add the Wizards right there at the top of the East. Right. Well, let me set this straight. I want the Wizards to do well. The Bullets, right? <laughs> the Bullets, whatever you want to call them. I want them to do well because I want West Sunsell Jr. to get his shine because he's a longtime NBA assistant who finally got a shot at being a head coach. But I know it's going to be a tough road after game 30, 35, just because the other teams in the East are going to get right soon um the hornets seeing them back is great because you know those take you back to the mugsy bogues days um dale curry days early lonzo you know, lonzo morning mm-hmm. you know grandmama larry lj lj you know um the knicks and my come on john starks yeah you know saying mason patrick ewing i mean those were the days where they used to have the epic battles with mike and all that stuff um the heat the Heat aren't really coming back. They were there two years ago. But this this Heat team is gangster. But we'll get to them. The the Bulls, though. The Bulls are back. The Bulls are back. Finally. Yeah, it's real. So just looking at that, right, you talked about the – you gave us a little breakdown of the old school. Um, first of all, the Knicks being relevant is great for basketball. Bulls, too. Right. Two, two of the three largest markets. Yeah, but but the Knicks for sure have been like – 
just the, the stories within the organization, the owner and everything for the last five. It's been like aftershock, right? Bulls too. Yeah, but Bulls ain't had the, the same type of problems up front. You know, there's been more behind closed doors stuff. True, but, but... Yeah, and they, as you said, they kind of got a jinx on them for how bad they treated Scotty <laughs> and not getting him his pay. Treated Scotty and, I mean, everybody. Yeah, MJ. Yeah. No, you don't tell MJ, Scotty Pippen and the... And the crew, you can't Robin, get another. You can't come back one more year. Yeah. You tell Phil Jackson at the beginning of the year, no matter what you do, you're fine. You come on, man. Yeah. They've been cursed ever since, you know. And I hate to say it, you know, uh, D Rose and those guys had them going in the right direction, but you know, then he got injured, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, they just had a curse on them. You know, they had multiple coaches come in and go, and you know, fan base was dwindling, and it's just, you know, it's good to see them. You know, because they were, you know, the powerhouse of the Midwest. You know? mm -hmm. So, you know. And as it stands right now, Milwaukee, um, Philly is four and two, I think, or middle pack. But Milwaukee, uh, Indiana's at the bottom of the, of the East. But Milwaukee and Brooklyn are struggling right now. Yeah, rightfully so. Right? It's struggling the early part. So, where do you see? All this with, with what we've seen so far with these seven games, some some eight games. Who do you see out of this Knicks, Charlotte, um, Bulls, Wizards? Who do you see making um, that long stay, to making a little bit of noise in the playoffs? Oh, the Bulls. Yeah, um, I think the Bulls and Knicks for sure. Mm -hmm. The Knicks were there last year, just needed some more help. Yeah, they got they, it now. They got it. Bulls. They got a whole new identity. Man. Clip is loaded. Yeah, it is. It is. They did lose Patrick Williams, though. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but I think they still got a, enough to make a, a little run. They'll probably bring somebody the, on. The, the Hornets should be solid um, if Melo stays healthy. You know, him getting hurt last year mm -hmm. really, really did them did them in at the end. And Terry Rozier just came back. Mm, yeah. So he hasn't been playing, so he just came back. So they got a little bit more firepower with the guy who can get everybody involved. <laughs> you know, he might mess around and be an all-star this year <laughs> if they keep pushing. They're like 5-1, and 6-1. and one. So uh, let's talk about the Wizards, though, um, because we've talked about before how we D.C. is a prime location. The organization is in a spot to where D.C. should be one of the um, most desired places to play. Mm-hmm. Just because of what you can, as far as living, just personalized with living there, going to having your kids grow up in that area, you know, being able to touch different parts of the, of um, communities from political, you can get your entertainment stuff. You just got the best, the best missing pot, and then it's Maryland VA there. But every owner, every organization, except for the uh, the uh, Capitals, have dropped the ball. Right. So right now, D.C. has a chance to do something. I don't know if their fans deserve it. You know, the fans are who they are. But what do you think of the Wizards coming up this year? I don't think they are. Yeah. I, what I see is that they, if they continue to play well, Bradley Bill trade. Really? Mm-hmm. Really, I wasn't expecting that one. You just get you just threw a bone out there. I, yeah. I didn't expect a job. Really, you, you, you break that down. You think that he has suddenly had a change of heart where he doesn't want to contend for a title? Uh, yeah. 
I'm thinking he on his uh, Dame Lillard. I ain't trying to go nowhere. You remember? I mean, he was when he was dropping those forty balls. He was pissed. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, you you think they had a discussion behind closed doors? Like, oh, just just make it solid for us and yeah, put us in a good position where we can get something in return mm-hmm. to go with the young coach, some of the young guys, and then we'll set you up. Hmm. Okay. Bradley Bill on the trading block, yeah. but they just talked about how Russ was telling him. Before he left, it was like, yo, you need to get out of here. And, and he was like, nah, I ain't trying to go. Is this good for the media? Hey, maybe, hey, maybe he's a better man than I would be. <laughs> but for this year, though, I like Montrez Harrell a lot, what he does down there. His energy, man. That's been one of your guys. You actually had some personal help with him. Yeah. You talk about that. Man, I mean, um, I remember coming to uh, play in the Capitol Classic. And... Uh, I remember somebody questioning us in terms of like our selection of the, um, you know, the national yeah. team, mm-hmm. the U.S. team. Because um, for those of you who don't know, it's always the DMV ki- top kids against the the top U.S. kids. And so um, I said, you got to watch him play. Mm-hmm. He's got the body of a grown man, even though he's a little undersized, um, long arms, not too athletic, but his energy makes up for that. And he just loves his job. I'm a dog. I'm going to be a dog every every night. That's just what I do. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, he put it on a few heads that night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been in the league ever since, you know, and uh, people have been saying, mm-hmm. yeah, you got that one right. I said, yeah, a dog is a dog. Yeah. That's, you can't, can't fake that. Not at all. Not at all. And his and his energy is immediate. Yeah. You know, the other night I just saw uh, Kuz had 17 and 17. 17 boards. 17. <laughs> What's going on? And now I've always said that Washington <laughs> is that stop where players go, have a great either a great season or a bad season. And they either go get traded and go somewhere else after and get more money or they out of there. Right? So Kuz, he betting on himself. He's going to have a great year in D.C. and then bounce. <laughs> I can see that. For sure. Uh, that's a, I like the Wizards, though. I like the way they're going. But on the other side, um, we talk about somebody that grew up in St. Louis um, under Bradley Bill that admired him. Bradley Bill even babysitted him sometimes as Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And just recently they talked about how Tatum tried to uh, convince Bill to come to to Boston, I was like, man, like leaving D.C. to go to Boston. But, you know, Tatum could leave DC, uh, Boston and go to D.C. Now, I say that because Boston is struggling. Last episode, I talked about the fact that Jalen Brown, you know, he may be at peace. Because we're getting to that space now with the Ben Simmons thing to where now the teams are playing, everybody that in the offseason because nobody was playing and they're just going off of what's their face value. They're like, nah, we're not trading for Ben after that. Now you're struggling. There's some pressure on some people. There's somebody like, you got to make some moves. Right. And then Ben is looking like a piece. You know, I, I think that Boston <laughs> needs to break that duo up. Yeah. It, it definitely not enough basketballs. You talk about those two are, you know, dynamic duo two great athletes on each side of the, you know, each wing, and you have Marcus Smart. Yes. He's not as talented as they are, but you can't tell him that because his confidence is so high. His heart is so big. What? So so with them, you don't know 
who's going to be the guy designated to to be the leader each night, you know, and what I mean in terms of, you know, offensively setting the tone and whatnot. So that experiment's probably over. But can I, my guy told me, and he pointed this out, and I, and I think we talked about it before. I was like, does Jason Tatum play winning basketball, though? So, you know, most times people, when they look at the two, they just naturally give Jason Tatum the edge over Jalen right. Brown. Um, I'm not one that does that now at this stage, you know, because Jason, Jason, Jalen Brown has improved immensely sure. his every entire year. game, yeah. every year, his entire game. And he already was a great defender, but now his offensive package right. has become even more complete to say. And now you're looking at the both of them. And as we talked about in previous podcasts, looking at the game with a different eye. Now it's not just that you're scoring, but what are you doing? to get those buckets yeah. how easy are they how much time are you taking away from the shot clock just to get your own shot well let me say this and i want to be clear when i say this i heard the same thing about kobe i heard the same thing about mj here's what you have to do you have to find a system that fits them mm-hmm. if you look at how boston's been playing even think about it they had Kyrie, tatum yeah smart brown and um Horford. Uh, Horford and um, the guy from um, Butler. Uh, yeah, Hort- Hayward. Right, Hayward, right? Everybody could get a bucket. It was an equal opportunity offense. And Kimba, too. You, you can't play that way with five or six guys who are somewhat like dogs. Mm-hmm. Can't play that. It's, you'd have to, you're asking each person to kind of like give up a piece of themselves mm. to, for the better of the, the team. But Game 36, two minutes left to go in the, in the fourth quarter. We don't know who. Yeah. We got to know who's going to be the guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, is, But is that something a coach <laughs> does? Or between the two of you do, or between the group, do you let that matriculate and you let them well, just be, throw them in a cage and whoever comes out is the one? Well, it'd be nice if the, if the, if the guys could figure it out. But it's ultimately up to the coach. Mm. What did Carmelo say when he was um, um, in Houston? Man, what, when, yeah. I, when he was at OKC, they, they never really specified what they wanted me to do. Yeah, You know, if they would have asked me, then I would have had the right of re- first right of ref- refusal. No, nah, I ain't doing that. Yeah, but at least we know. But he, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But if you don't tell them, you know, sure. because like I said, when I said that about Kobe and Mike, people swore up and down, said, MJ, he's going to lead the league and score five or six years. He won't win anything. Mm-hmm. Can't win basketball like that. In comes Phil. Puts people in their places. This is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew what was going on. Kobe, same way. You know, Shaq down here. Kobe, you're out here. You know, you put, you know, put them in their place because certain guys got to be those – one-on-one ISO guys. Mm. Not because, not because they they want to show up somebody or um they're selfish. Man, they just got so much game. Yeah. You gotta let them go. Yeah, you just got like, you got a lot of artists be an artist. Like what, what, imagine this. What if what if Kobe, LeBron, those guys would have went to college? What were they gonna learn? Right. It was gonna it was gonna hinder their game. Yeah, slow them up. Yeah. Have them questioning themselves, second yeah. guessing. You know, MJ averaged twenty in North Carolina, right? You know, you're really supposed to average like 36, 37. Mm-hmm. But 
You know, that's the way North Carolina played. And he said Dean Smith told him he had to leave, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, uh, I thought Dean Smith told me ain't no use for you to stay here no more. Well, yeah, I mean, you go, if you're going to be a lottery pick, see you. Yeah, get out of here. You know. So who would you choose then? I'm taking Jalen. I'm taking, no. You know, you know, I like, you know, I like dogs. Yeah. I yeah. like dogs. You know, you could be Tatum to score 50 one night, but the next night he might only score 26 and that's okay. But it might be his approach to getting that 26 that'll, that'll irk me. Yeah. I know Jalen might score 30 the next night and he might score 14 after that, but I know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. I know how hard he's going to go at it. Mm-hmm. So if we lose, I can sleep well at night being like, mm-hmm. he gave me everything he had. Yeah. That's just how he is. Yeah. You know? I, I, I feel that. I mean, the league is in the league is in good hands. Things are things are changing. Um, it's nice to see the the uh the spread of talent across all these teams, especially with the young talent that's going around. Um, but coaching is tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Coaching is is tough. And, you know, I um I've heard you talk about the great coaches all the time from John Chaney, um, John Thompson, um, you know, some of your, you know, the Fang. Shout out to Ron Fang Mitchell. Yeah. He just had the uh, Coppin Arena Court named after him. Oh, that's, oh. 28 years. That's big time. Yep. That's big time. And, And there's countless others, but... Talk, coaches have to make sacrifices. Right. And the, the sacrifices coaches make are never at the forefront of a CBS special <laughs> before March Madness. Uh, right. You know, a special before the NBA Finals. It's never about the coaches, always about the players. Rightfully so to an extent. Right. Right. But for those people that want to be coaches, I got friends that are watching. I have peers that are watching that are in that business right now. And it's Dirty, it's doggy dog. They, it's tough for them to wake up and keep going. You know, they don't. We ain't making a lot of money to be no coach. Right. You know, so like talk about that sacrifice to be a coach and then to be a great coach, right. and then some of those examples you can pull up. Right. Um. Just just on the grassroots level, something I know about. Um. If you you really want to be a coach, you have to take the time to be invested in each one of your players, each one of your coaches. And in in some aspect, each one of your families, because there's going to be times where those families or that player will have to lean on you for certain things. And, you know, if you guys have one common goal, um, you guys have to be there for each other through the ups and downs. You know, <clears throat> being able to humble yourself to do the little things. If you look at some of the great coaches now, basketball, football, whatever. They are guys who started from the bottom and they've had every job within the organization, within the program. If you were on the high school level and you're opposed to washing uniforms, unless you're at a special program that has the funding to to have someone else, you may not be successful. All right. So just because I'm a visual learner too, Coach Thomas used to tell me that, right? Some of my coaches. So for those people you're talking about, you know, have every job, like, give us an example. Who are you thinking about in particular that you know is at the top right now somewhere, but you know he had to do everything to get there? Okay. Like Tom Izzo or something? Well, well, let's talk about this. We talk about some of the great Big East coaches of of all time. At one particular time in the Big East, there was Jim Calhoun at Connecticut. 
John Thompson, the late great John Thompson. You had Louis Carnesecca, St. John's. You had Roly Massimino at Villanova. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're talking about Syracuse. You know, Jim Beheim at Syracuse. When, and some people will laugh at this. So when some of those guys took their first head coaching job in the Big East, we're talking 20 grand a year. Mm. And having to do all of the stuff I just talked about in terms of washing uniforms, driving the bus, various things like that. Now they did go on as the as they grew the game, they made more money. You said, hold on. <laughs> you said John Thompson. Um Louis Carnesecca. Louis Carnesecca. Roly. Roly. Beheim. Beheim. Calhoun. Yep. They were driving the bus. Everything. Washing the uniforms. When you first doing the recruiting, the college the jobs back then, college coaches didn't make a lot of money, had to do everything. Mm. You think about it, they were the when you thought of the Big East back then, you thought of great players like Chris Mullen, Patrick and those guys, but you also thought of the coaches. Right. Because all those coaches were at their respective universities from you know multiple years. Mm. You know, coaches were lifers then. Right. You know, they were they were a part of the institution. So <clears throat> if if you're talking to a young coach right now that's in high school, as a high school head coach, or is um let's say he's my age too, you know, 28, 29, 27, high school head coach or AAU head coach, because you know you can go from AAU to college. Right. What what are you telling them to to keep in mind and perspective? So that they don't lose faith or hope because they got to do so many extra things, right? Like, what are you telling them you, to keep them in line? Well, you don't look at it as doing extra things. You look at it as building your resume. Mm. You know, you're building this, you know, you're building up the mental Rolodex mm -hmm. because you got to think about it. Once you become the head coach in today's society, you're a CEO. Hmm. So if you're a CEO and you're in charge of other people, you, how can you know if somebody's doing their job properly if you don't know what that job entails? True. So you need to know everything from the bottom up. True. I mean, you know, one of your favorites, Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick Saban. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, I don't, I'll let you <coughs> talk about what it is about Nick Saban that you appreciate so much, you know, because I know you're a college football fanatic too. Um, well, you know, just, uh, I've never really been an Alabama Crimson Tide fan until he got there because, you know, the, the mystique around it is the great Bear Bryant. Right. Um, heard, I've heard Coach Jones talk about him. And um, he was a great coach. But when you think of the University of Alabama at my age, you think of a racist institution. Hmm. And not, you know, and I mean, outwardly. Yeah. Because it's in the state of Alabama. And so, um, you know, Ryan makes fun of me all the time because I, I lived in Georgia. But, you know. Yeah, I made sure I got out of there quick. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, you know, it was a military kid. We moved around a lot, but yeah. um, and so him coming to Alabama and making it a juggernaut once again in the shadow of the Great Bear Bryant is a feat in itself. Right. Um, and we're talking about somebody who continuously wins, is in competition for an SEC championship, national championship every year with losing half of his coaching staff each year mm. to other jobs. Right. So to have that changeover, but have the same success, what does that say about you? Right. What, <coughs> do you know more about where Nick Saban, what his coaching job or his coaching journey 
took him? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> he he played at um um I think it was Kent State. Okay. And then he had a chance to be a grad assistant there, I think. Mm. Um starting from the bottom. Yeah, he started from the <laughs> bottom, grad assistant. Um <clears throat> worked his way up, of course. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got his first head job, um, I think in Akron, I think. And then um, one year after the job, he got a chance to go be an assistant with Bill Belichick, uh, Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's been with, he's been around great coaches, you know. And then, and then he had a chance, you know, he was head coach at Michigan State. Um, <clears throat> then he took the LSU job, won a national title there. Then he went to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And he probably would have remained in Miami, but he didn't get a chance to um, get the quarterback that he wanted. Right. You know, he wanted Drew Brees. Uh, yeah. So, you know, not getting the quarterback you want and Alabama calling. Got to go. Make that right. You know, it's like Bill Parcell said, if you want me to cook, let me buy the ingredients. Mm. Okay. And you buy the groceries. Yeah, that's real. And now, you know, and that's on one end, and Nick Saban has solidified himself as probably the best college football coach ever. Ever. Yeah. And, you know, you said starting <laughs> from the bottom, those sacrifices, the sacrifices his family has had to make for him probably are immense, probably ridiculous. But now on the other end, we look at a guy like um, Deion Sanders, right? Prime time. Neon Dion. Right? Who is... You know, at times, being a player doesn't translate into being a good coach right. or being somebody that could be there. But I'm seeing from my eyes, Deion Sanders has his part of his role is being master motivator. Yep. That's that's one step right there. So, you know, new coach, new industry. Um, you know, some people may have say he didn't have to sacrifice as much, but we don't know because he did start in high school getting his stuff together. But Talk about how important it is to create an identity. First, let me say this about the sacrifice. I want everybody to think about this. For those of you who say, even Dion, multi multi-millionaire. Hall of Famer. Isn't, isn't sacrificing. Every time he's with the Jackson State players, guess who he's sacrificing time with? His family. Right. His children. True. So he is sacrificing. Mm -hmm. Every time a coach is, every time you're with the kid, you're taking away from your family. Mm -hmm. So that is sacrifice. And and I know he's putting up some of his own money and stuff for Jackson State too. Correct. He's a he's a master motivator, master recruiter, okay? And he's a master organizer. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing he does, everything's in line. Mm -hmm. Just because he he played for Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Right. And he's been in the NFL. He's been in Major League Baseball. So he's been around some great coaches. So he's putting things in place to make kids successful on the gridiron and then hopefully to the NFL. He's giving them a shot. Yeah. Um, and he's surrounding himself with people who can get it done. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest part. That's the biggest part. Man. That's what we all struggle with. So if for young coaches, right, like give them an – an understanding of, you know, how to effectively create a coaching identity with understanding that your identity as a coach is going to build the culture, right? right? You talked about, um, I don't want to <coughs> say who, but we know how certain actions can trickle down 
right? If if you have a, a culture that is abusive verbally or whatever, it's going to trickle down. It's going to start to wear off on the, on the on the players, to the training staff, to the managers. So for the young coaches that are out there needing some guidance from OG, like talk to them about building that coaching identity. Um, it's it's similar to what everybody's parents have said to you. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. Hmm. You know, um, of, cu- of course, you have to be firm sometimes, but more so just be direct all the time. And so that way people will understand that he doesn't mean anything by it. Hmm. It was just imperative that he get that word across, hmm. Hmm. get that point across. But, you know, your work ethic, because if you don't have a work ethic and people can't see you putting in the work, how are they going to follow you? Hmm. They have to be able to believe in you. If coach is going, if coach is putting in this work, I got to put in this work, you know. And always put yourself in a position where you're constantly learning, right? You know, because no matter you think about Nick Saban, as successful as he is, he's always surrounding himself with young people, new ideas, right? As well as old coaches, mm, you know. True. So, so if you think about this. He was always known for defense. Now Alabama puts it in the air. Now they're scoring 30, 40 points a game. So he changed with the times. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that even I've been a victim of, um, you know, not being willing to adapt to something new, to accept something new. And so you catch yourself in a time loop because as you stand still, the game is always evolving. True. So as a young coach, you got to make sure that you're prepared for that. That's why you have to always continue uh, to build your knowledge of the game. Yeah. And and I would add into that too, coaches, as your knowledge of the game grows too. Um, you got to also study your generation, right? Especially working with kids. Because what triggers them, what excites them, what gets them going, what gets them to connect changes drastically. Right. And I'm seeing that now trying to figure out talking to these young cats. I said, cats, crazy. <laughs> I'm not 54. I'm talking about, but seeing these young guys and these young girls and watching them, you know, interact with each other, what they talk about with each other. You know, those little nuances help you build a relationship with your players. Right. You know, and knowing what's going on. Um, I actually was just talking to my moms about that, about like, yo, when you get older, sometimes you guys get more stubborn. You know, you don't, when you get older, doesn't mean you stop learning, you stop growing. You know, sometimes we get stuck in our ways and like, I'm, I'm, I'm so-and-so age. I don't don't care about that no more. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, you can't do that because you're always supposed to keep learning. Um, but, you know, as as much as coaches are supposed to be our, you know, our leaders, you know, our foundation of groundedness and everything else, coaches be doing some wild stuff sometimes. True. Like coaches that have those moments to where, you know, maybe you pissed them off in practice and he felt like this is one of those days where I got to blow up on them. I got a wild out or, you know, they they came in and they wanted to spark you guys and get you guys some energy and it turned into a laughing moment. So, you know, let's I'm going to we'll take this moment to kind of talk about some memorable moments in the locker room for, or in practice from your coach. Right. Um, and I, I'll go first with this one. Um, two of them, two times. Right. Well, I, actually three. 
Both the first two or both from Coach Thomas. <laughs> both from Coach Thomas. Um Coach Thomas had we we lost, and this was in high school, we lost a game to our coach's um previous school. And uh, the last school he coached at, we lost a game to them that we were supposed to win, right? That Edison. 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 The the next, I think we had practice the next morning. It was a Saturday morning, and we also had like a toy drive that we had to go to, to first to give away toys and things of that nature. And um, this was a holiday season. We all showed up on time, like eight in the morning or whatever. Coach didn't say a word to us. He was happy and jolly to everybody else, giving out toys and say a word to us. We went back to our school, TC, probably like 9, 30 or 10. And we we were there for six hours. <laughs> six hours. Six hours. And and what we experienced from film session to the gym was unlike anything I ever experienced before. It changed our season, but we were in we were at practice for six hours on a Saturday. It was like a job. We was there from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we just off that one loss, right? And then another time, he came into the locker room and he called us mental midgets. I remember that. And, and I know some of us had looked through each other. We were in high school. We looked over to each other. It was like, he just called us stupid. <laughs> what is a mental midget? Like, like dang, we must have really pissed him off this go around, right? And those are like some honorable mentions. And then I had one moment where he probably doesn't even remember this, but um, we were, in, it was my senior year maybe, or maybe my junior year. And we were playing at TC. And um, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. Probably took a shot that, you know, he checked, you know, he checked in the first 10 seconds of the game. But I went out, time out, or maybe foul, and coach was talking to me, Coach King, and he grabbed me by my collar <laughs> in the middle of the game. And he probably doesn't even realize he did it, but my mom told me that somebody was like, yo, you're not upset? And she was like, no. <laughs> he deserved it. And he King has a permission to do that. And I was like, man, and some of the people don't know, I was like, he's from that John Chaney era. So, you know, they, they, they get a little physical. When my funniest moment, we were in practice. And um, we had uh, in college, <coughs> and that was my sophomore year, maybe. And um, you know, my my coach uh, Kirby Dean, great guy, yeah, good guy, great guy, great family. Um, you know, he's like the the honorable mayor out there in Harrisonburg, right? He had one moment where Kirby used to do this funny. He's when he used to get mad because he didn't curse. Right, he's like super religious Christian guy doesn't curse, right? He used to make this weird face, like he put his tongue behind his teeth and do this. <laughs> What's wrong with this dude, right? And he's a country guy too, right? So one practice, he was mad. He was mad at us, right? And Kirby was the type of guy that he showed us his highlight tape, <laughs> and his highlight tape was him taking charges. <laughs> oh man, <One laughs> so it was different. Yeah. So he's like, "Yo, you play hard, play hard, play hard," right? So we in practice, we not he not getting the energy he need out of us. And we the next game we got coming up is during the week. So you know in college, those Wednesday, Tuesday games, they're a little bit tough to get up for. Right. right? So it's the day before the game. And, you know, we're not we're not energetic, right? So he he yelling at us. He's like, cut harder, cut like you want to tear your Achilles heel. Uh, we like, this dude is crazy. So he loses it, right? He got papers in his hand. He blows a whistle and he starts screaming and yelling, but not cursing. And we always say Kirby 
you know, he like James Brown. He like to put on a show. <laughs> he let people watch practice. He don't no problem, right? So he yelling at us, right? So he got papers in his hand. You know, papers are light like feathers. You throw papers in the air, it's going to come down anywhere, right? So he's screaming, he cursing. He's like, ah! He throw the papers in the air and he try to kick the papers and he miss them. <laughs> <laughs> he try to miss them. And all of us is looking at like, what? And we try to keep a straight face and he walk out. He's like, you guys run your practice yourself. And, you know, as players, when your coach tell you to run your practice yourself, Practice over. <laughs> you know, it's always two or three guys that's like, yeah, let's go out here. Man, shut up. <laughs> our old head, Drew, who Drew is one of a kind. When we get into our teammate stories later, I'm going to tell you about Drew. But Drew was like, man, if y'all don't get off this court and take your ass to the locker room, <laughs> you just make sure y'all ready to play tomorrow. All right? We ended up winning the next day, but we were crying, laughing. I asked Coach, I said, yo, did you did you think you were going to hit those papers? It's not going to happen, man. But I'm sure there's more moments, but that was one of the ones I could think about recently. That's funny. That's funny, man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you talking about him kicking the papers, that made me think of one of them at TC. Yeah. Um, this was with Tyler and those guys. I think Tyler maybe was a senior. Um, that was a special group right there. I'm not even gonna name drop none of them because yeah, they're gonna be like, "Yo, show me some love." Like, y'all was crazy. They were crazy. <clears throat> so we're going into Lake Braddock for the district championship, and um, we got I think we got Annadale, and mm. we had we had can't them, stand them. I had, still hate them. We had beaten them twice, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, man, I don't want us to get to a situation where we're just you know, overlooking them. And so we're playing hard. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're up like 22, mm. like midway through second quarter. So a couple guys, Tyler Driver, start, <laughs> start playing around. I yeah. call timeout. I said, you guys are going to let them crawl back into this game, go into halftime with some momentum, and we're going to be in a dogfight coming back because, you know, it's TC at Lake Braddock. So it's, it's you know, it's us against the refs, too. Man. So <clears throat> we go back out, lose a 20-something point lead in about two minutes. Mm. Like two minutes, we're just turning the ball over. Score, score, score. No stops. And so we go into halftime. Everybody's in there. I'm, in, I'm down the hall. I'm like, I can't go in right now. I'm, I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. We're only up by like maybe six. So I know it's going to be a long one. I go in there. Coach Jones is like, just go in there. Just be positive. You know, be like, <laughs> Coach Jones said that? Yeah. No he, way. Yeah, no, for real. He's like, because I, I know what you want to do. Because I want to do it too. But we a little fragile mentally, so we can't oh, do that. I was about to say... Because Coach Jones definitely, <laughs> oh, man. And Coach Jones just made me think about another moment. I'll get to that next. So I go in there. I start looking at him. Everybody's got their head down. I said, pick your heads up. Mm -hmm. And then I I couldn't wait, Yates. I just went off. Who you saw? Who who <laughs> caught your eye that made you go off? <laughs> so I'm like, you. And I got mad, Yates. And I tried to kick the uh, locker. And now I have those slides. <laughs> Man, I almost, I almost tore my Achilles, almost threw my back out. I almost slipped. <laughs> and so, man, 
I can see all the kids was like, trying not to laugh. Yeah. I just cursed him. Like, get out. Just get out. Listen. Man, that might have been the shortest halftime speech ever, man. Man. That's that's funny. I, I wish I would have seen that. That that reminded me though, like when you talked about Coach Jones, I now that I think about it, every time everywhere I've played, we've always had the old timer mm-hmm. who's like the godfather. Yep. Right. You know, Coach Ray for DC Blue, that was when I was with him. Um, Coach Jones and Coach Hell. So Coach Hell is um man, Coach Hell is the OG. Coach Hell is the OG, man. I had him in college. Um, shout out to Coach Hell. Coach Hell played at Emory Henry. He, uh, you know, he taught, I think he actually taught Dale Curry oh, wow. too as well. Like he had been around. He was like, I don't want to get, maybe in early 70s or something he was coaching us. And so Coach Hell is the, he taught me how to give a firm handshake. Mm-hmm. So before every game, Coach Hell, he always shakes to everybody's hand from the other team because everybody, you know, starting lineup. But his handshake is is tough. Probably for the 15, 20 years he was in the ODAC conference, everybody remembers him because when they shake their hand, he, he damn near breaks it. <laughs> right? right? And so I remember, like, after my sophomore year, I was like, yo, you got to teach me how to like get together with that. So he taught me a way how to hold somebody's hand so that if they squeeze it. You you got control of it, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. But he was the nicest guy, the nicest guy, just honest. Like he taught me, he said, well, you know, Ryan, you know, I, I need you to run the lane right here, big dog. I need you to be here. No yelling, no nothing. He just always stayed with the big men too. And if coach was getting on my nerves or something, he'd come back and say, yeah, just stay solid. <laughs> always the same temper, right. right? Except for one time. One time. And it's like one of those times when you don't expect somebody to go off, everybody's like, oh. Right. So we're, we're playing at Ferrum. And Ferrum is like one of the worst places to go. Terrible drive. As soon as you get to a certain part of that city, you don't have any service, you don't see nothing but like one phone line going through like some some farmland or something. Like we get to a gym one time and there's a there's a leak in the roof, and they asking if you still want to play. And I'm like, look, we drove down here. I don't care what you got to do. Somebody got to wipe up the court in between timeouts. But we're not going back to uh, Harrisonburg and then coming back and playing fair. I'm like, we getting this done. So we, we playing them. I think it's my my sophomore year, and we're losing. And Farum doesn't have the best facilities. So we're like, or it might have been at Bridgewater, one of the two. And we're in a classroom, right? We're in a classroom, we're away game, and we're playing terrible. And and like it's it might be right over the holiday, right before the holiday break. And so coach come in there and coach never says anything at halftime. Not one time. I'm talking about four years of me playing there. He only said something one time, right? So I'm sitting at the desk in the front. <laughs> All the coaches are right there, chalkboard right there. I'm sitting at the table in the front. And, you know, I had an okay half, right? It wasn't it wasn't my fault that we were down, right? You know? Of course. So, the coach and I had a good relationship. Coach has this big ring mm-hmm. from when he was in school. It, it like a big diet, like big thing and something else, right? You know, his hand. And so, I can see in his face, he's upset. So, the desk is right here. He stands in front of me while coach is talking. And then he just, he got a big hand now. Takes his hand, slams it on the desk. And then he just goes off. And as soon as he slammed it, I jump up in the chair like this. And the whole time he's screaming and yelling and going off on everybody, I'm right there. Like, he don't move. We like we like centimeters away. He going off. He, he damn it. I'm like, oh, 
Everybody stopped. It's it's so crazy that every coach in there didn't say a word. Oh wow! So after he stopped, Coach Kirby was like, "All right, this is the five that's starting the next round. Let's let's put it up and let's go." <laughs> like that's it, because everybody didn't know what happened. We ended up winning that game the second half. But I remember talking to Coach. I was like, "Yo, Coach Hell, like, <laughs> I felt like you were yelling at me, dog." Right, 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 right. <laughs> he was like, "No, I don't know what got over me, Ryan, but you just 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 a different fire that was there." And I was like, look, I won't ever get in that side again. Wow. Yeah, listen, he smacked that desk so hard. It was lopsided the rest of the rest of the year. Yeah, worry about those quiet dudes. Man, OGs too. I was like, you know what? We gonna give effort every night. <laughs> Cause this is the last person I wanna get to. And when you when you know it's something when the head coach is like, hey, ain't nothing left for me to say. Right. right. Let's get out there, man. What about when you were playing? I know you got some good ones there. Yeah. First, um, since we're talking about Ron Fang Mitchell, just having the court named after him, <coughs> you know, us being here in uh in Dubai, you know, I get the I miss a lot of stuff that the guys, yeah. you know, are doing. So they were doing a documentary on um, you know, Coppin State and Coach Mitchell. And then those guys had, you know, the court and naming ceremony. And looking at all the, you know, the pictures and talking to guys on the phone made me think about some of the crazy times we all had together. And uh, I remember one particular time, we all went to Howard's homecoming. Oh, man. One night. And, um, you know, we had a day off. And so somehow coach got wind that we were going to go to Howard's homecoming. Everybody. And so then he said, you guys shouldn't go to Howard's homecoming because somebody's going to get in trouble. Um, and so, we're going to have practice tomorrow just to make sure, you know, we keep everybody, you know, in for the night. So naturally we went anyway, <laughs> went anyway. And, um, man, we, we may have gotten back to Baltimore, maybe around four or five in the morning. Something's getting ready to come up, man. And, um, we go to practice. Practice has been moved up a couple hours. So he said, I'm going John Chaney on you guys. We're going at five 30. Oh, Mm. So we in there, half of the guys didn't get a chance to like shower and like get yeah, you know, changed smart. up a little bit. You know, we had been drinking a lot, a lot. Yeah. And um, some people doing a little bit more. <laughs> so, you know, we're standing there, some guys, you know, eyes red and glossy, some guys tipping sideways like this, <laughs> leaning, you know, a couple guys, Joe Allen uh, had never really been drinking before. And so, you know, he's sitting there with a grin on his face. He had the time of his life. I said, but you can't show it right now, Slim. He was green. Green, man. <laughs> so coach is like, I know y'all went out. I can, I can smell it on your breath. Right. And then he comes to me, he's like, Jupac. I'm like, oh, he on, he on something tonight. He called me by my <laughs> nickname. <laughs> Did you go out yesterday? No, because why would I do that after you specifically said we, are, we should not go out? Look, you see, see where I get it from? He goes down the line. I had already told everybody, yo, we ain't go anywhere. He gets down to the last two dudes, Joe Allen and Gerald. <laughs> Did y'all go out last night? Gerald's kind of like, <laughs> in other words, yeah, you might just tell him, yeah, we went, yeah, we went up. Big Joe, Big Joe's like six, eight, man. Big Joe's like, he said, you been drink drinking, Joe? I sure have. <laughs> On the line, on the line. You know, Fang had that raspy voice. 
Man, listen, hey, man. listen, bro. I've been in some trouble before with coaches. I ain't never ran that many suicides before in my life. It got to the point where Dick Brown was our assistant coach. And I was like, we had ran like maybe 15 already. 15. And I guess what I said, I said, coach, how many more are we gonna run of these? How many more? And thing, I heard that, I heard that we're gonna keep running until I say you're not gonna run anymore, right? <laughs> Yo, I said, I looked at my roommate, Reggie Wells, I was like, man, we run like, we run like 20, bro. It's like yeah. college may not be for me. Like, <laughs> like I, whatever happens, happens. And so, like 21, he caught Reggie cheating. Made him run again, right? So then he had some words. He's like, what? what you say? And he's like, man, bump copping. <laughs> so we were the Coppin State Eagles. And so we had an eagle in the middle of the floor. Reggie takes his jersey off, throws it on the ground, boom. Hawk, you with me? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Let me give me a second. Let me think about it. Right, he walks over to the eagle, spits on the eagle. Oh, yeah! And it walks out. Pac, I'm going to the dorms. I got a cold one for you. I was like, man, it would be all right. right? <laughs> man, like seven thirty in the morning, y'all was game banging crazy. I looked at, I looked at Coach Brown. I said, I'm on, Coach. I'm out. Yeah. We ran one more, and he, he was like, don't do it. I said, no, he ain't. Look at him, he ain't gonna stop. He, yeah. He's got fire in his eyes. Yeah. I said, man, I'm out. Yeah. He's like, where are you going, Jubac? You leave, you never play for a cop state again. I was like, I probably ain't gonna play anyway. So <laughs> I said, I went down. So one by one, Everybody the, old head, the old heads left. The young buck stayed and probably ran for like another 30, 40 minutes, man. And I was like, yo, you think they still running? <laughs> <laughs> At that point in time, I was like, this is what it is. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, yo, man, that was that was one of the craziest times. No, that, that's one of those moments to where you look at your group and be like, man, what are you going to do if we all leave? Right. <laughs> like, well, he ain't going to have no team. Right. We all just rock out. Like, we in this together. Right. Nah, that's funny, man. For the ups and downs <clears throat> that come with coaching, right? At the end of the day, it's still beautiful. Right. Just the relationships. Like I've said it before, everything revolves around relationships, mm -hmm. man. No matter what business you in, unless you like Mark Zuckerberg or something, right. you don't want to be around people. You just want to be in the metaverse or whatever. But everything's about relationships. So these stories that we get to tell are based on relationships that we had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's stuff that helped shape us. Right. So, you know, shout out to all those young, aspiring coaches right. that are going through those struggles with parents, yep. with hard headed kids. Um, you know, you need it. You need it to balance out those guys who are just out there to take advantage of people. So Parents with unrealistic expectations. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, parents do play a role in the success of their kids, too, in their future, period. Right. Sometimes they get in the way. Um, you know, we all have a role to play. You know, all of us have to understand our strength and our weaknesses. So um, that's something, that's another topic for another day. But we've gotten to our point. Um, where it's time for the post game wrap up, you know we we had another fair game, um. So before, let's see what we got. What you got for us today, Big Dog? Um, you know I'm short and sweet. Um, I got this from Coach Roland years ago. Mm. Um, you know for those of you who don't know, Coach Roland is a like a mentor to me, uh, mentor and uncle figure to uh, Coach Ryan and his um his brother, and um, you know he mentioned to me about having an end game. 
Mm. We talked about, you know, you know, getting old and what we wanted to do. And so, you know, one of the reasons I took this job, this opportunity to come here in Dubai is because I'd never been to this part of the world before. Um, and so immediately upon arrival, out of all my travels, I knew that this could be a place I could live, you know, forever. Um, you know, I like the people, I like the, uh, the city, I like, you know, the atmosphere, you know, just the, the, the all around environment. And so the weather, the weather. Um, and so for me, you know, I'm a nature guy. I like being by the beach, you know, mountains and things like that. So this is right up my alley. And I get a chance to, to be in my environment and coach at the same time and, and build something new because basketball is still so new here. And so my end game is helping this company grow mm-hmm. and, you know, being in a partnership with you for the podcast, following your lead on this. And, you know, finishing my days here. Mm-hmm. So that's my end game. So for everybody out there, try to figure out what your end game is. What is something that will make you internally happy for the rest of your days? And, and think about all the hard work that you have to put forth each day to achieve your end game. And that next time you're having a rough day, it won't be such a rough day because you know you're working towards your end game. Hmm. And you know it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, word. Count on that. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to wrap it up with, uh, you've already won. You know, I get fixated sometimes on, on, on worrying about failing. You know, I prepare so much because I can, I'm can. i concerned about that. I look so much further away ahead, like thinking about things, which is a good thing to an extent. But to a lot of people around me, to a lot of spaces, you've already won. You know, sometimes you get a chance to sit down and just look at what you've done and how far you've come. And for the people that you've been around and for the things that you've done, for the good deeds that you've given, for the positive affirmations you've given to people, for the encouragement, for the inspiration you may not know you've given, that's what your trophy is, right? So when you get to that space to where you feel like, man, what's going on? Or I'm worried about this or that. Sit and think about the fact that really you've already won. You're here with another chance to keep going. You're doing something you didn't even think you'd be able to do. You've made it through one of the craziest years in human history, right? You've already won. Just keep going, you know? Um, And with that, you know, I let us sound out with the tunes of my bro, Jameson, um, Bridging the Gap podcast. You know where to find us, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Hoop Mountain Dubai at Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram, hoopmountain.ae. We have a new website launching next week. Shout out to the digital graphics, um, my web development team. We've been working on that heavy. Um, and as always, keep calm, keep it real, keep going.